What if you weren't born to suffer? (laughs) I know, you're going, it's 2020, what, Cheryl, have you looked around lately? I know, crazy thing to say, but that's what we're going to suppose today is maybe we weren't born to suffer. And if not, then what do we do about it? And what if psychology, medicine, and religion aren't helping us? That's the topic of today's show. Welcome, I'm Cheryl Sitz, and this is Exploring Possibilities, a journey to remember who you are. We've been doing this since 2012, broadcasting uplifting, empowering conversations. You can find the whole library at journeyofpossibilities.com and new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and youtube.com slash Cheryl Sitz. If you like what you hear, do me a favor and show us some love so we can keep bringing this to you at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. We'll be back in one moment with Blake D. Bauer. Hi, I'm Mario Rosales. I am the producer of Exploring Possibilities. I actually do IT work. I do website design. I do uh, remote support. You know, one of the things that I've been having recently, I've been working with people that are on Wix. And at the beginning, even I had the idea that Wix wasn't that powerful. But as I started working with it, I found out that there is so much more in there that we are not taking advantage of. We're not taking advantage of its database functionality. We're not taking advantage of their autoresponders. And a lot of this comes included for free in some of their packages. I've learned the system very well to the point that I can train you on how to do it. Or if you ask me to to do some complicated task, I can design it for you within Wix. Then after I'm done, I give you the training on how to use it. And then if you have any troubles, you can always call me. Thank you. I am Mario Rosales, and you can reach me at MarioRosales.com. Let me help you out wherever I can. Thanks. Blake D. Bauer is an international best-selling author, speaker, and teacher. He's got an extensive background in psychology, alternative medicine, nutrition, traditional healing, and mindfulness meditation. He has already helped thousands worldwide to successfully overcome deep suffering, addiction, and adversity by integrating the most effective approaches to optimal mental, emotional, and physical health. He joins us today to discuss his book, you were not born to suffer. Now, you're going to want a copy of this book when you start hearing our conversation, and you can pick that up with a link right here on this podcast, and a small gratuity will come back to us in support of the show. You can find Blake online at unconditional-selflove.com, and he joins us now. Hi, Blake. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for creating the time and space in these crazy days to share a little time with us and some of your wisdom. I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you so much. I love this book and this timing. Talk about perfect. You were not born to suffer. And yet I talk to so many people about how the suffering seems to be accelerating right now, even more than we had before. How can you say, just to put you on the spot, that we weren't born to suffer when it seems like the world is suffering so much? Well, I mean, it has been a very challenging time for everybody no doubt about it. I personally am actually just recovered fully from having COVID myself. And so I thought I would escape escape the virus and, and did not escape the virus. And so I, you know, I can understand, you know, people's fears and, and just all the challenges that are arising right now. But but to answer your question specifically, I think most of us have in place a lot of habits and coping mechanisms that help us avoid our suffering and numb our suffering. And a lot of those coping mechanisms and hobbies and pastimes that 
help us escape from our psychological, emotional, physical, and and life struggles were uh, stripped from us in many ways. You know, we couldn't go out and have drinks with friends like we used to. We we couldn't go out to dinner with friends like we used to. We couldn't go shopping like we used to. We couldn't travel and take a trip that would justify staying at the job we didn't like or staying in the marriage we weren't happy in, you know, because we got away with our friends for a little bit or, you know, whatever our personal, you know, situation is, we've, we've all got ways that we've developed to, to get by and to just, you know, not get too bogged down by the pain. But the pandemic really put a big wall and a big mirror in front of us in many ways where we were forced to look at thoughts that were negative and, and caused suffering, to look at emotional pain, to look at issues in our body, to look at issues in our relationships, to look at issues in our work life or career that we were we were very good at skirting around, avoiding, you know, kind of putting off dealing with. And the pandemic was the perfect storm of circumstances to make us look at ourselves and, and our lives in a way that most people really have never done. And so it's not that there is, I think there is definitely some suffering that, that, that arose for people in the present because of the pandemic, like for example, losing your job, which is very real and, and can be very scary. But there, I would say there's a bigger majority of the suffering that we've experienced that was really just the past, uh, catching up with us. I agree with that. That's brilliant. I agree with that. And it's interesting because it's not even necessarily things that have happened to us that have caused us suffering. Some of this stuff is generational, right? I mean, we've actually been handed down the suffering of the last generation and the generation before that, and and maybe some of the habits and addictions and things that didn't serve them that now we find ourselves doing, and they don't serve us either, but it's all we've ever known. And there there's just really has to be this usually a catalyst. And I guess right now you're saying this pandemic is also serving as that catalyst, some kind of a trauma that makes us stop and go, okay, I can't keep running anymore. I can't keep checking out anymore. I got to deal with this. And that's what you're saying people are being brought to now. Absolutely. And I, and I think what we, what takes us a long time to realize is that in the present, we choose how we think about a situation. And so However you're thinking about your life or about the pandemic in the past year right now, you may not realize it, but you're choosing that mindset. And so, you know, this in, in no way is trying to diminish, you know, the challenges we've all faced, but selfishly and in your own best interest, the, the wisest thing to do is to say, how can I look at this situation in a way that serves me and helps me move forward instead of staying stuck? or feeling sorry for myself when it's an easy thing to do with so many things kind of going wrong for a lot of us. Right. Well, and some of us have been running a lot longer than others. And for me, the running was unconscious. I just kept getting busier and busier and pursuing that American dream and a bigger house, a better job, more education, kids and family. You know, you just, it piles on and the decades can, and the years turn into decades. And then something happens or like this pandemic or whatever. And however long we've been avoiding whatever we haven't been dealing with and numbing out and doing what we do, that's more, it's more that overwhelms us. When we finally stop and get still, it can be so overwhelming. Can you say a couple of things to those that are feeling that way right now? Like, it's just too much. They're, they're actually private drinking now and they're private numbing out because they don't know what to do with what's 
what they're feeling. Absolutely, Cheryl. I mean, well, first off, it's very natural and, and normal. And a lot of us have a tendency towards shame and guilt around our suffering or our fears or our struggles. And the truth is, is that it's very natural to be overwhelmed right now and to be overwhelmed when you're going through what we sometimes call a healing crisis or, you know, a major life-changing situation, which can manifest like a pandemic or what you guys just went through in Texas, you know, an, an unprecedented storm and, you know, an infrastructure that wasn't ready, or it can be a, a car accident, losing a job, losing a loved one, you know, coming down with an illness like cancer or autoimmune disease. I mean, all of these things are, you can frame in terms of initiations into awakening to a deeper part of ourselves, healing parts of ourselves that have been neglected or abandoned uh, so that we can, like the title of your podcast, you know, live more fully as who and what we we really are and, and remember who we are as opposed to what we've gotten caught up in or kind of lost ourselves to in the world or like you said, the American dream or, or these social agreements that, that often are not very healthy for us. So I think for those people who are listening that are really going through it right now, I think it's it's a hundred percent natural. And so, you know, I would try not to beat yourself up about it. And then I know as we continue to talk, Cheryl, there are a few really important and critical practical tools that we can focus on and, and learn about that basically bring us relief from our suffering on a daily basis. And and the first one that is really important to talk about is that you need to start talking about what you're going through. And because a lot of people have a lot of shame around their emotions and their negative thoughts, they keep it in and they suffer silently. And then they turn to alcohol, food, cannabis, pills, you know, whatever it is to, to, to not feel those feelings or to not feel those negative thoughts. And so it's really important to ask for help, which is something I had trouble doing, you know, in my healing journey, but it's life-changing to be able to finally just be totally honest and, and, and real and to stop living a lie and to just say to a, a close friend, you know, I'm really struggling with this or to a family member, you know, I'm really having a hard time instead of trying to be the one who's always put together or, you know, seems to be the strong one or never, you know, is stoic or, you know, and then if you don't have a family member or a friend who you feel safe with, you know, I, I encourage you to find a therapist or a coach or a healer. There are actually a lot of really good human beings out there with a pure heart. And yes, you pay them for a little bit of their time, but it's priceless because you have this person that you have, you have nothing to lose with them and everything to gain. You know, if you don't talk to them on a regular basis, you may never talk to them again in your life, but at least You've, you've found a soul or a kindred spirit that can show up for you and help you process a bit of what's going on for you. And, um, and then lastly, I'd say um, even just getting a diary or a notebook and writing Dear Universe or Dear God, depending on your belief system, and just saying, you know, today I feel like I don't want to be alive, which I know a lot of people have felt lately, or you know, I just feel so confused. I don't know what to do about my work or I don't know what to do about my marriage or I don't feel good about this. Just put it on paper. And even that is better than keeping it in and going in circles inside. And that can be a very private and very healing, a very powerful process to just write to the universe, write to life, write to God yourself, and just process your own thoughts and emotions for yourself through writing. That, you know, for me was very powerful 
you know, when I got into that first. Thank you for sharing those. Those are all excellent tools and they've helped me a lot as well. And I just want to reiterate anybody that's listening that feels like you're struggling more than those around you that seem like they've got it all together. I promise you, we are all getting triggered right now, unless we are just completely checked out. Every system is triggering us, whether it's religion or politics or economics or health, we are getting triggered all over the place. So it is definitely a time to come together and not suffer in silence and not feel like you're alone. And please reach out to me too, because we are here for you. You are not alone. So thank you for those tools. Beautiful. Yeah. And I want to just echo what you just said. I mean, there really are some very big hearted, pure hearted people on the planet that actually do care about you, even though they don't know you, they just, they're, you know, I can speak for myself too. You know, we're often we're people who have come from a lot of suffering and we know what it's like to feel alone. And so we do our work in the world because we don't want anybody else to ever have to feel like that. And we want to live in a certain world where people show up for other people and are not just cold and rude and heartless. And so, you know, there are good people out there that you can find for help. And sometimes it's just our cynical negative thinking that stops us from meeting those people. Yes. Or we've been raised to keep it in, keep it quiet, keep it to yourself. The world doesn't need to know our problems. We got to put a good face out there. I mean, I, I came from that kind of home. So it's right. like, oh, we don't go around and talk about our problems. It was so liberating to me. And I'm a broadcaster. So I've always talked about my problems pretty publicly. And it's, it's liberating because I can't tell you how many people have said, Cheryl, I heard you and I have the same thing. I thought I was alone. We all mm-hmm. think we're, we're alone and we're not. So Thank you for that. I want to kind of dig into the book a little bit because there's some really juicy stuff in here. My highlight, I ran out of a highlighter on this book, you guys. And I read a lot of books on this show, but there's some good stuff in here. One of the chapters is called Your Ego is Not Your Enemy. And I really related to that because when I got into this opening my heart, healing my wounds, then it, you hear a lot in the healing community more of we've, get, we've got to transcend the ego. We've got to get past the ego. And you talk about, you know, and I feel like the ego has a role to play and it has taken care of me all this time when I didn't know what else to do. And so you have a couple of things here I highlighted. The degree to which our ego initially developed depended upon the amount of protection we intuitively felt we needed as children. So that really paints the picture. The ego was the protector. Absolutely. And then you say... The thoughts that just don't stop coming are merely symptoms of undigested emotions and experiences our ego is currently guarding. That really speaks to that. I can't meditate. My mind won't stop racing. Well, when's the last time you gave it five minutes of silent attention, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And, and, and then also, you know, complimenting that when's the last time you talked about what's going on in your heart? Yes. And, you know, a lot of us, you know, starting in childhood have not felt safe in, in a lot of situations to talk about what we're feeling. And then the psychological result of that is these walls come up because we don't want to get hurt again. We don't want to get betrayed. We don't want to let ourselves get hurt. So we just think if we can protect ourselves with this, you know, psychic shell, the ego, which really manifests through our thoughts and our perception, then we can avoid getting hurt in the future. 
And then typically what happens is we end up isolating ourselves or we're afraid of deep intimacy with other human beings because we don't want to let anybody see the truth, which is that we're hurting. And we don't want to let anybody in because we think they're going to hurt us just like everybody else we've ever loved has hurt us. And then we, we typically stay stuck and that, and that becomes a very vicious cycle. But I think practically speaking, when you start to become more and more aware of your thought processes and what you're thinking, you know, on a day-to-day basis in the present, you start to see these thoughts that, that come up that, you know, you just don't trust anybody. You don't want to let anybody close to you. You're cynical. Um, you're judgmental. You're critical. That's the way the ego peaks its head up. And so that's how you can recognize it. And and if you start to dissect those thoughts, you start to see that those thoughts are really just protecting you from pain and they're protecting you from the things that you don't necessarily love or yet feel good about in yourself, right? So that's the reason the ego comes out in the form of judgment of another person is we temporarily judge or criticize someone else. We put them down or put them in a box because that makes us then in the present feel safe and secure about and, and feel better about the things we don't feel good about in ourselves because we haven't yet found that place of safety and security, that eternal safety and security deep within us that's a very healthy place to be that we want to be. So we use the ego and these negative thoughts to create that sense of security because that's really all we know until we get to a deeper level of who we are and, and our awareness. That's so well put. And and I relate, I identify a lot more with that. But then as I've been doing my healing, so that's where I've lived most of my life was more from that guarded, ego, mind-centered type lifestyle. And as I've gone into my healing and gone into more of the feminine, I tend to go to the other side of that coin, which you also talk about in your book well, and that's the insecure side. So I'm either in my ego, protecting myself, guarded, not letting any pain in, which also, by the way, doesn't let any love in, just a little hint to the listener that might be there. But also then you go to the other side and there's all this insecurity and you don't know what to do. And that can be almost just as paralyzing. So can you give us a little bit of strategy on how you feel we can best kind of find center through that? Is it just going through both sides to get there? Or is there a a better way we can find our way there? Well, so ironically, both those extremes, let's say they're two sides of the same coin. Right. And that that coin is a symptom of um, us never really learning how to love and value ourselves in the present. It's a symptom of us living in a way where we hurt ourselves and let ourselves get hurt. So how do we stop living like that? And how do we stop coming from one extreme or the other extreme? And the first thing comes back to what we were just saying before we, we breached this, this topic is learning to be really vulnerable in the present. So learning to talk about your feelings, talk about your needs, talk about your goals and your dreams in the present and say that they matter and then being able to express them even if you're scared, even if you feel insecure, even if you distrust the people around around you. The the key is developing this relationship to yourself where you trust yourself and you feel like you can depend on yourself to be true to yourself. And what happens is the more honest and vulnerable you are, the energy inside you, which is, you know, in my mind, pure love, but 
but that truth inside of you, that energy inside you will start to eat the insecurity and start to eat the egoic thoughts. But the only thing that, that can do that is truth and vulnerability in the present. And the other part of fine-tuning that process is being really kind when you're being honest because a lot of us grew up with very toxic and destructive examples of how to communicate. And so say, Cheryl, you know, let's say you and I were friends and, and I was unconscious and you said something to me that was hurtful and I perceived it in a way where I got hurt and angry. I might swear at you and call you names and say, you're such a this or leave me the F alone or who do you think you are? And so I come from the ego and start attacking you, which is why I'm saying you, 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 you know, it's all blame instead of owning my emotions in the present, which if I were to say that to you in a conscious way, I'd say, Cheryl, I feel really hurt. So I'm owning my emotions. I feel hurt. I feel angry because I feel unappreciated or I feel misunderstood. But because you and I never learned how to communicate in this way, we, we use uh, blame and attack other people and put them down and you know say mean things. And that's code for what we're feeling in the present and don't know how to communicate. And so the secret sauce is really starting there and, and being able to ask yourself, okay, what am I feeling? And right now, what am I feeling in my body? What am I feeling in the present? What might I need? What, what do I really want? And then learning to be that honest and kind with the people in your life and say, hey, you know, Cheryl, I feel this. I need this. I want this. And you say it in a way where you take responsibility and you say it kindly because if I react and I call you names and I say mean things to you and I care about you but I don't know how to talk to you, I'm actually going to then be angry at myself and feel guilty and ashamed for how I treated you. So that that creates more problems that you then later have to forgive and heal and deal with. And so the way to end the cycle is to master this process of being totally vulnerable, honest, and kind is the, is the key word. Kind in this honesty, not self-righteous, because often when we've repressed and internalized what we're really feeling and needing for so many years. And then we get on this self-help and self-healing journey. We are, you know, I'm empowered. I'm taking my power back, <laughs> you know, right. F you like I'm valuing myself, like leave me alone. But then a lot of people push away everybody and they push away everybody that they care about because there, there's this little piece that we all missed, which is that it's not their fault you created this. We we created the expectations and agreements with people based on us compromising ourselves and repressing what was really going on. So now that we're waking up and getting all this stuff out, it's not really their fault. Even if they're unconscious too, it's, it's our responsibility. So it's not about self-blame. It's just we've been allowing this to happen. So we don't want to push everybody away. We want to just say, hey, you know, I feel this and I need this. And I know I haven't talked about these things in a long time, but I'm a human too. And my feelings matter and my needs matter and my goals matter just like yours do. So how do we navigate this so it's win-win and both of us feel respected and appreciated and honored and it's just not always one-sided? And, and this is the hardest but the most important place to start. 
I am so glad this conversation went where it did. It always goes in such great directions. And I have had a lot of conversations lately with people talking about toxic people in their lives and, well, I'm rid of this and I'm rid of that and get them out of your life. They're no good for you. And I really feel like the toxicity is my own unresolved stuff. If I have somebody that I feel is toxic in my life, it's something I haven't healed inside of me. Is that what you're saying or do I have that still different from the way you perceive it? Well, I think, you know, well, the most important thing is just to own what you're feeling and what you need and what you want. And if you perceive someone to not be healthy for you, it's okay to remove yourself from that relationship or that situation. But if you don't learn the lesson that we're talking about right now with the people close to you, you're likely going to just attract another person <laughs> that recreates the exact same dynamic yes. because this is like one of the, you know, it's kind of, it's just, it's like, you know, kindergarten or passing high school. It's, you know, 12, you know, getting your G, you know, your GED. It's like, <laughs> this is something we all have to do on the earth is pass this test, pass, learn this lesson, which is how do I communicate honestly with accountability and very kindly and lovingly? And it's really the key to everything. And so if you don't get this, you're going to attract the same type of partner where you have to learn this and, and, and practice it. You're going to, attract a boss or a co colleague or a family member or you know someone at the store it's going to pop its head up in every form until you realize oh i have to learn this lesson i can't just treat people i can't just be mean to other people i can't just dump on people um, i can't just kick everybody out of my life because they're imperfect it's that law of attraction thing. We're attracting exactly what we're ready to deal with and look at and see and heal. And if we don't take it in this face, we'll just get the, it is, it's just a never ending flow, right? Of the same thing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it, and then it, and then this process goes from a very gross kind of like, you know, get this partner out of my life or get this friend out of my life to very subtle and the very subtle really I, th I find is triggered by the people that are harder to, to just kick out of our life, which is typically blood, you know, which is family. And what you'll find is the deeper you go down this rabbit hole is that things that people do and say trigger toxic thoughts inside of us. And then as we master this process and we go down this journey of really growing and awakening, depending on how far we really take this, the next step of the journey is really mastering your thoughts and when you have a your mind reacts and you have a negative thought about a family member or a, or a loved one that you can't really just you know get rid of in your life, then you need to then you have to start working with those thoughts that you know what maybe I actually don't want to feed this toxic thought anymore, and I want to learn how to redirect my thinking and th and choose thoughts, think thoughts that are more enlightened or healthy or less reactive or less toxic about this person, about myself and about the situation. And that's, that's going deeper down the rabbit hole in, in terms of real self-mastery. Absolutely. And that's, that's the journey, isn't it? <laughs> mm, absolutely. So let me go to another part of your book that I really loved because I'm all about the breath. The breath work is so powerful in calming and centering and staying present. And one of your chapters is called Inhale Life Deeply and Slowly. And in there you say, if we can intentionally practice dropping our awareness out of our head by following our breath deep into our body, we can find acceptance, harmony, and courage in 
any moment or situation. That's like the magic pill that we're always looking for, and we had it all along, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's the last thing I want to do when I'm all worked up and emotional is stop and take a deep breath. And and Mario's great. My partner, he'll say, you know, you need to just take a deep breath. And I'm like, there, I did it. Because <laughs> I want to rant and rave and, and, and get all my emotions out, you know. So it can be the hardest thing sometimes when we're all worked up to do is just to stop and breathe. But it changes everything. It really does. And I think to put it in perspective, Cheryl, as I'm sure you can relate, it's also hard to feel ashamed of how you've handled yourself, right? It's hard to feel bad about, mm -hmm. you know, what you've said to people that you actually care about or what you've done that you really didn't mean to, you know, say or do. And so when you start to see the, the damage that your reactions can have in your life and, and really is a form of self-sabotage, then you ask yourself, well, is that, do I really want to be stuck in this cycle where I feel ashamed of how I've handled the situation then I have to apologize, <laughs> uh, right? And then I feel unworthy uh, deep down subconsciously. We make ourselves feel unworthy of happiness or love because we've, you know, we've reacted, you mm -hmm. know, in an unconscious way. And then it, it's just a vicious cycle. But typically what I see in that situation is we never learned how to self-soothe, right? And the breathing is a form of self-soothing. And so it's like going to a, it's like when you're a kid and you know you're feeling these big feelings and you don't know what to do with them so you just run to mom or dad you know and you want them to make you feel better and a lot of us as as adults do the same thing you know we run to a partner or a child or a parent because we don't know how to self soothe we don't know how to self process so you take we don't know how to self soothe or self process and we don't know how to express ourselves mindfully and it just is, becomes this big blah and then, um, and that can, can be messy and typically is very messy until we start to learn how to express ourselves in a healthy way and then how to take responsibility for our reactions, which is what this deep breathing and meditation really ha helps us to do so that really, you know, like, you know, a topic that I've, you know, contemplated a lot since I was a young man was, you know, what is success, right? What is a successful life, especially in our day and age? Right. And for me, the, the one thing it boils down to is self-respect. And so to me, I always want to handle myself in a moment and a situation in a way where I, where I'm going to come out respecting myself. And so I think that's the, the question, you know, how can I handle this situation? How can I value myself in this situation? Be true to myself, but in a way that I'm going to respect myself for, which typically entails not destroying and hurting everybody around you, you know, which, which, which typically eventually comes to be, you know, um, how do I share what I'm going through, you know, in a very, you know, raw way, but a mindful way. And again, this is all just part of the journey, you know, us going from, you know, um, not having these tools because we never learned from our parents and we never learned at school to learning about these tools to practicing these tools and then getting really good, you know, at using these tools. And so um, the deep breathing is, I would say for me, meditation in general saved my life because I was suicidally depressed as a young man and have gone in and out of those dark places throughout my life. And the other thing is, is that when you practice deep breathing is particularly, for example, if you, let's say, do 10 minutes of meditation in the morning every day, just 10 minutes, which I encourage everybody I work with to try is you, it's like, you know, training for a marathon, right? You don't just sign up for a, you know, 
20 mile marathon without any training. You, you run, you, you train, you stretch, you get ready for that day that you're going to have this marathon. So it's the same thing with the topic we're talking about. If you can do, let's say just 10 minutes of intentional deep breathing every morning, you're basically training yourself and preparing yourself for that moment when someone flicks you off or says something mean or um, leaves a mess in the kitchen or does something that just triggers you and you were, you know, you didn't see it coming, but it just got to you and it hooked you. And then that 10 minutes you did in the morning was what you needed, what your brain needed, what your body needed, that muscle memory, that, you know, your lung memory, your nervous system memory, your brain memory, the, the, the neurology of your, you know, everything firing to just go, Oh, I'm going to take a nice deep breath before I throw this plate at their head or before I, you know, call them and just start screaming and calling them names, or before I get out of my car and start a fight, <laughs> you're going to just take that deep breath and be like, is that really what I want to do? Yeah. You know, do I really want to go down that path? Do I want to push that domino to, in that direction and just set off fireworks that way? And then sometimes it's like, no, that's not what I really want. So, so yeah, the breathing is the key, that that secret sauce, and, and, and bringing it full circle Cheryl, to our entire conversation is it's the key to being in touch with your body and your emotions and your thoughts. So you can say, I feel so frustrated right now, or I feel so sad, or I feel so alone, or, you know, I need some time for myself, or I miss you. And I, I, I need us to have some quality time together, you know, where it's not our phones and it's not the kids or it's not work. It's just us, you know, me and you reconnecting to that, you know, sacred connection that we have or you know but you can't talk like that and you can't relate to the people in your life and the situations in your life if you don't have that connection to what's going on inside you and so just 10 minutes of that slow deep breathing in the morning can change everything and you don't need a pill and it's free yes. and it, you know you don't you know you don't need to go back to the practitioner every week to get it, it you have it there any moment of every day in your bed on the toilet in the car, in the kitchen, wherever you are. And as we practice the breathing more, then in those moments that we get so frustrated, it starts to become clearer that I may feel like that driver deserves a piece of my mind. <laughs> that's, that's my old me talking. And I now realize that there's going to be a consequence to me if I need to do that. And so is it really about him or is it about me? And is my serenity worth taking a couple of deep breaths and going on? And that's the change right there to me is recognizing that it always has a consequence. And do I really want to go there? So I want to wrap up what we were saying about the breathing with a quote from your book. You say, there is a direct correlation between the fullness of our breath and the fullness of our lives because we can only live our lives as fully as we're prepared to inhale the life force itself. That is so powerful. I love that. You, you were really guided in writing this book. You did a beautiful job. The more fully we inhale the life-giving energy of oxygenated breath, the more we actually enjoy being alive each day. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, when we when we're in the present and we're breathing deeply and slowly, you, know, you really can enjoy a cup of coffee or you can enjoy your cup of tea or you can enjoy your meal or you enjoy the sensations of breathing in fresh air or the sun on your face or 
you know, looking at your partner or your child and just like their eyes and looking at them smile. But if we're always in our head and we're always running and rushing and stressed out, you know, we just basically miss our lives. And so that breathing and at first it's making, it's just like if you want big biceps or, you know, toned glutes, you got to do the reps and then eventually you get there. And it's the same with the breathing. You, you practice, you put a little bit of effort in and then you reap what you sow and you do drop deeper into your body. You inhale more oxygen, you feel more alive and then you feel more present to your life itself and, and don't feel like you're you're always missing your life. You you feel fulfilled by each experience that you're having on a on a daily basis. And we just live in a time where we make it so complicated and shiny, you know, that we we always need to be more, do more, have more, and then we can finally sit down and enjoy. But if you don't learn how to enjoy now, you're never going to get to a future where you where you say this is enough for me to just take some deep breaths and enjoy myself and the people I care about and the things I love most about being a human on the planet right now. That is so true. It's a habit. We develop a habit of living for tomorrow instead of living for today and or or you know living in tomorrow or living in the past. It becomes a habit. We we get to a place where we're not even consciously choosing it anymore. We're just never in the present moment. I couldn't believe how much I was never in the present moment once I started to explore this path. So it's been a huge shift for me. Well, I just want to run down some of the topics of the chapters in this book since we don't obviously have time to cover them all, but there's how to be yourself, deep self-respect, love and healing your inner child, your ego's not your enemy, understanding your life purpose, unconditional self-love, that's a good one, transforming anger, hurt, and hatred, following your heart, releasing your fear. It goes on and on. And this isn't just words that sound good. This is exercises at the end of every single chapter to have questions to ask ourselves, affirmations to tell ourselves. It's it's a workbook. It's it's something you can actually work through and and feel a change in your life. So I strongly recommend this book. Did you have a parting thought that you'd like to leave us with about this book or anything else today? Mm, I guess Cheryl, I would just say for for those listening that, you know, your feelings matter and your needs matter and your dreams or your goals or whatever your well-being matters and you're the only person that can say that it matters so if you feel like people don't value you you don't matter to other people people don't appreciate you your feelings don't matter to other people it's because you've created these dynamics where you allow yourself not to matter and so the the beginning of all this and and the practice, no matter how good you are at this today, you're going to get tested tomorrow is to say, you know, my feelings matter, my needs matter, my dreams matter, my well-being matters. And, and that, and that we, we have to, we have to make it so and stop making ourselves wrong. And that's a big part of this healing journey is just to stop making yourself wrong. And the way to stop making yourself wrong is to honor what's going on inside of you right now and then be, like we were saying, honest and vulnerable about it. And it's like it parts the Red Sea. It removes all the obstacles. Even if it brings up stuff in the short term, it it will transform everything that is not love and that is not healthy and that is not real for you in your life anymore. So um, – uh, it's also it's also the secret to feeling worthy of healthy love and feeling worthy of health and happiness 
is to say I'm worthy of having these feelings. I'm worthy of having these needs. I'm worthy of having these dreams or this calling. So it all starts there. And if you can focus on being more aware of what's going on inside of you and then just being honest and kind about it so you don't feel bad about how you've communicated, the rest will just take care of itself. You just keep being loving and honest and that that loving truth will uh, wear away everything you don't need in your life and then guide you where you need to be. You are such a beacon of hope. Thank you for doing your work and then putting this out into this world, this fabulous book, You Were Not Born to Suffer. We've been talking with Blake D. Bauer about everything that he's learned doing his own journey. Thank you so much, Blake, for everything, for, for being with us and for the book and for all of it. Oh, Cheryl, thank you so much for having me. Look forward to hopefully reconnecting again because I have a feeling you're not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I would love to. I'm here if you ever, ever want to talk again. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us for the show today. Please let us know what you thought at journeyofpossibilities.com. And we'll see you next time on Exploring Possibilities.